Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on this Monday, the 19th of July, 2021. Brand new start to a brand new week. Trust wherever you are in the world, you've had a relaxing weekend, you've had an energizing weekend, a recuperating weekend, and getting ready to reload into a brand new week, helping your sales team develop those results and deliver those results to the point where they become sustainable, and in the process, hopefully enabling you to make that one step closer to being that exceptional sales leader that you know you're capable of. Uh, So as a reminder, if you'd like some help with that, just jump on my calendar. I'd love to work with you one-on-one and help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and do that inside the next 90 days. Simply go to my calendar, leadwithdarren.com. Pick a time or have a conversation and get ready to work as uh, as early as this week. So uh, if you're interested, if that's you, if you're looking to uh, make some progress in your leadership journey, love to help you on that journey. So on today's episode, uh, slightly different because today's a very special day and uh, this will make sense once I get through the story and uh, hopefully it'll be done with, uh, <laughs> uh, I'll try not to get emotional about this, but it is, a, it is a very special day for our family. Now for those of you who know who know me, who've worked with me and perhaps have been clients of mine, um, you may know that I often talk about the fact that it doesn't matter, it's kind of like a mantra that I use, it doesn't matter so much what happens to you, it's more important as to how you respond to what happens to you. And this is a this is a mantra that I've lived with for many years, and it wasn't always the case because many years ago, uh, when things happened, and whether it be in in my career, whether it be a customer wasn't playing the game according to the rules that I thought we'd we'd set in place, I'd often be having the conversation about why is me? Why does this happen to me? Why isn't the customer doing this? Why am I finding these kind of errors or why are these mistakes being made? Why can't I just have a like a, a, a smooth transition into some form of transaction, right? There was always some, it always seemed to be something happening. Now, uh, it wasn't until I, A, got some coaching and B, went through an experience uh, a number of years ago that really brought this to bear, that it's not so much what happens to you, it's the, the choices we make in terms of how to respond that what to what happens to us that is the most important thing. Now you might be sitting there thinking, well, that's I don't agree with that, and that's fine. That's your opinion, and I totally respect that and totally appreciate that. But from my perspective, this is so true, because what we do have control over is we have control over the choices that we make. We have control over the responses that we provide to any given situation, irrespective of how minor, or how major, or how traumatic that particular event may be. And this is what I've lived with now for many, many years, and it serves me well. It has served me well. It serves my family well, and certainly when I'm coaching executives, sales leaders, and also working with sales teams in particular, it also serves them because what it does, it gives a power of choice back into the hands of people that perhaps in the past they've had that choice taken away from them, or they don't believe they've got that choice. And so the story I want to share with you today hopefully will deliver some confirmation that, you know what? If you can go through stuff that uh, appears traumatic at the time, then you can, and you can come out the other side a better person and put some perspective on it, 
then you can handle just about anything that is thrown upon you, particularly when it comes to your career. And so this has served me well, and I hope out of this message today, it uh, it serves you well and your team as well. And look, sometimes resilience, when you think about it, is forced upon you, and certainly when you least expect it. Well, you have no option but to but to move forward. So the story I want to share with you is, I'll take you back to the year 2002, and I was in uh, in a sales role, uh, doing pretty well, looking after a major account. I was at Optus at the time. Uh, my title was Strategic Account Manager, and I was really proud of the fact that uh, it, it took me less than five years to go from a junior account executive to a strategic account manager. And it's probably, I think at the time, it was the quickest progression of anybody at Optus at that time, and, and no doubt it's been passed since then. Since then. But uh, for me, it was a massive, massive uh, progression in terms of never having been in sales before, being introduced to sales and then making really quick progression through the ranks to being a strategic account manager looking after one of Optus's biggest and most strategic accounts. So I was on top of the world, absolutely on top of the world. So work was going really well and outside of work, um, Shari and I, we had uh, Kiralee who just turned two, she turned two in the in the in February that year, and we were expecting our second child. So everything was going hunky-dory. We were planning on uh, the new nursery, we were in our uh, first home, so I was busy preparing the nursery, painting it in different colors, getting the nursery ready for, and I was actually moving out of my office because I was working from home at that time, and because we only had a three-bedroom house, it was our first house, I needed to convert the office into a nursery. So I was spending uh, time outside of work uh, painting it, taking out furniture, making sure that it was going to be ready for the uh, for the new arrival, uh, which the baby was due, I think, in September. So we're making sure we're getting ahead of the game and making sure everything was ready, so that uh, all the ducks were lined up, so uh, everything was done when the uh, when the baby arrived. So it was around about the fifteenth, was about the fifteenth or sixteenth of July. Uh, I came home from work after a um, after another day of doing my thing, dealing with a lot of the uh, a lot of the issues I had to deal with on a daily basis, looking after one of the biggest accounts uh, in Australia. And when I got home, my wife Shari said, oh, the baby hasn't been very active the last day or so. Haven't haven't had as many kicks as normally do. And this, this baby was absolutely uh, all over the place in terms of rolling, punching, kicking, uh, very, very active indeed. And it was a bit strange that uh, all of a sudden she'd started to realize that there was not as much action as normal. So one of the first thing we thought about is what, what do we do? Do we um do we go to the hospital? Do we ring the obstetrician? So I thought I'll give the obstetrician a call and he suggested that there's a couple of tests we could do, but he suggested also that he meet us at the hospital because one of the best things they can do is do an ultrasound just to check out that everything's okay. Uh, he said he was he was very, very calm and, and still to this day is a very, very calm individual. Didn't want to put any alarm bells into us at all, but he said just uh, just get to the hospital. We'll do a um, we'll do an ultrasound, do some tests, and then we can see what's actually going on. So we didn't think anything of it. We just jumped in the car, went to the hospital. But the closer we got to hospital, we um, I kept asking Shari whether there was any any movement. And um, as much as we tried, there wasn't uh, there wasn't a huge amount of movement still. So we get to the hospital, get upstairs into the uh, into the maternity ward, and uh, the the doctor comes in and starts to do an ultrasound. And he was trying to position the the ultrasound device in various different places. And the more he manoeuvred the ultrasound device on Shari's belly, the more concerned that he appeared to get, and therefore the more concerned I started to get. So I asked him what's going on. He said, "I'm trying to find the." The heartbeat. Now he's a really cool, calm, collected sort of a sort of an obstetrician, but I could see that he was getting more and more concerned. And when that happened, I was getting more and more concerned. 
And all of this was happening in the space of oh, probably no more than two to three minutes. But the more the seconds ticked over, I was just hoping and praying that there would be a heartbeat that would come up on the monitor because he was just manipulating Shari's belly all over the place to try and get a heartbeat. And I'll never forget the, the moment that he put the ultrasound device back in its place and looked at both of us and says, I'm really sorry, there's no heartbeat. Um, basically, he was telling, telling us that our baby had died. And we, um, at that moment, we probably already knew that that was the case. But to hear it from an obstetrician, and he did everything he possibly could, he was actually um, maneuvering Shari's belly as well, doing some other tests. But the ultrasound pretty much was confirming the fact that there was no no heartbeat that a baby had died. Now, receiving that news at that particular time, even though we probably knew intuitively that that was probably the outcome that was gonna that was gonna happen, it was still like a, a massive shock to the system, like we've been hit by a truck. And at that particular moment, you cannot help but start asking the question in terms of you know why 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 us why this situation what happened did we do something to contribute to this all these questions start swirling around your mind and and you're thinking well this this can't be real we've just we've just gone through a whole process here of we're just about to welcome another daughter into the world and we didn't know it was a daughter at and at that stage but another baby into the world and what what did we do to deserve this and so you start to get a little bit selfish in terms of, you know, why, why us? Why this situation? What does it all mean? And this is just, it's just not fair. Um, but what was even more devastating is we, we had to go through and Shari had to go through um, the labor process because she had to still deliver this baby. Uh, and so it was, it was two, two days of, um, of labor that uh, she went through. And eventually on the 19th of July, hence 19 years today, uh, Courtney Rose Mitchell was born, uh, but she was born stillborn, and she was born at 34 weeks, and um, not a day goes by that we don't, don't think of her, and today in particular is her anniversary, so 19 years, and it just made me think about, you know, what sort of message can I put out today to help other people who might be going through difficult stuff? It's it's not fair, I mean, life's not fair, but things happen, and it's it's, and sometimes in Hindsight, you can really, really understand the the reasons things happen, but at the time you're going through it, you feel like your whole world's been ripped apart. And this is how we were feeling 19 years ago because we had a, a two-year-old daughter. Uh, we were looking forward to welcoming another another child into the world and having to go through this. And, and the first thing you, you're exploring and thinking about bringing home a, another child and introducing them to the family. And the next... Next, you're actually coming home empty-handed because you've got to give the baby over to the authorities for an autopsy to be done and all the investigative stuff that happens. So it was a really, really tough time. But I've got to say, it's only through hindsight did we find out that the the number of stillbirths that happen in Australia is, is actually quite common. It's, uh, it's, it's not necessarily spoken about, but it actually happens on a fairly regular basis. And I've got to say, there's a number of lessons that come out of this that I wanted to reflect on today. But one of the biggest ones was... Uh, you know what? It was. Uh, it gave us time to heal. It gave us time to obviously grieve, but also gave us time to process as a couple and as a tight knit family as to what had just happened, so that we could use this as positive reinforcement for whatever's going to happen next. And thankfully, uh, the way things turned out was that uh, just under twelve months later, we had uh, we had the bumble- bubbly bouncing baby girl named Haley Montana, who was born on the fourth 
of July 2003. So out of adversity came something that was just a miracle. And uh, Haley was born at 36 weeks, for, born via selective caesarean, and uh, we chose the 4th of July as the as the as the date for her. And uh, we were going to call her Holly Montana, but we thought that would be too American based on the 4th of July celebration. So we called her Haley. Montana and she's um she's a bundle of joy and uh, hey causes us some challenges every now and then but a bit of beautiful child with a beautiful heart and I know that Courtney is within her in some form and uh, we see it every day so so every year on the 19th of July we do celebrate uh, Courtney's birthday and she would have been 19 years of age today and uh, even though we're in lockdown today in Melbourne we're still going to be celebrating by having a, a nice takeout dinner probably our favorite Thai restaurant and um, normally we'd go out and celebrate. Courtney's birthday, and uh, but we're going to do that as a family, as a tight knit family, uh, just with a meal together tonight. So a few of the a few of the lessons that I wanted to draw out of this, and it's and it's really the title of this podcast episode is going to be it's not it's not what happens. Now it's part of our story, and it's something we don't shy away from. And in fact, we have been as a family, we've been more than more than honest and more than open with uh, with all of our family and all of our friends. And we often talk about Courtney. We've got Courtney's uh, Courtney's urn in our living room. We've got a photo of her as well. We've got her footprints and her handprints. Got her birth certificate and all that sort of stuff. So she is a key part of this family and part of the family history. And we always celebrate her every day, but especially on today, the 19th of July, being her 19th birthday. So I wanted to draw out a couple of lessons from... Uh, her birthday and what we learned through going through that process. Which look, I don't, I don't wish this upon anybody. And if you've lost somebody who's near and dear to you, then it's not a nice thing to go through. And if many, many different people process death and uh, and grief in in different ways. And for many people, our families, family and friends in particular, they didn't actually know how to deal with it. And they didn't know what to say, what not to say, and they were taking the lead from us. So we were the ones that were more than happy to open up and talk about it. Uh, we weren't shying away from it, and we weren't looking for we weren't looking for people's uh, pity. It was just, hey, this happened. We didn't have a choice. It was placed upon us. These were the cards we were dealt, so we needed to deal with it as best as we possibly can. So here are some lessons that uh, we learnt through going through this process. The first one is life's not easy. Life is not easy. If you're looking for an easy life, then guess what? You're not going to get it because there's no such thing. There's always going to be curveballs thrown at you. You're always going to be given challenges that you are going to have to deal with. Now, whether you like it or not, you cannot put your head in the sand. You're going to have to deal with stuff. So deal with it. So if you're going to have customers right now that are throwing you curveballs, then embrace it. Embrace it and actually use it as an opportunity to get better because you're going to figure out what you're what you're made of. And remember, it's not that's it's not what happens to you, it's how you choose to respond. It's going to teach you something. And just think about this, you're getting prepared for something even greater. And so you're always going to be dealt curveball. So, you know, deal with it and expect it. Now that's not to say you go out and look for it, but expect that it's going to be part of part of your life. You're going to have to deal with some challenges. You're going to have to deal with some obstacles. And you will have to be building levels of resilience and you'll be able to tap into the reservoirs of strength that you probably didn't even realize you had. So embrace it. Also, don't take anything for granted. Take nothing for granted at all. Just appreciate everything that you have. Appreciate what you have, but also appreciate who you have in your life. Don't don't let another day go by where you haven't reached out to somebody who you've been thinking about reaching out to to tell them how much you're thinking about them or to tell them how much you appreciate them or to tell them how much you love them. It is so important to have good people around you, but also to remind people of how much you appreciate them, how much you love them. 
And it's an, it's an agile principle, and I talk about this a lot when it comes to leadership in particular. You've got to be really clear on who you surround yourself with because you become the average of the five closest people to you. But when it comes to dealing with challenges, when it comes to dealing with grief, when it comes to dealing with really, really big obstacles, you've got to make sure you've got people in your corner who will be there to help you unconditionally, but it's also a key to make sure you let them know how much you do appreciate them and uh, make, sure you, uh, make sure you let them know. And I cannot overemphasize this enough. The other thing is be conscious of the example that you're setting because as I, as I mentioned that a lot of people around us when we were going through that many years ago, they weren't sure how to, how to handle it and they were probably going through their own stuff about what would this mean for them, I could never be like that, how are they doing this and look, there was a lot of judgment that I, that I saw play out whether it be for family, from family or from friends because they maybe were thinking that we were going to be processing this in a different way or perhaps they thought we should be processing this in a different way. But we never shied away from the fact that, hey, we'd lost the baby. Uh, could we have changed it? No. There was anything that we could have done? No. In fact, all of the all the autopsy reports and the reports that came back, it was literally down to this was an act of God. Because when Courtney was born, she was a perfect formation. She was, All of her metrics were exactly where they needed to be. Everything was where it needed to be. Uh, and the autopsy proved that there was nothing, there was no condition she was suffering from. There was absolutely no reason why this could happen from a scientific or a medical point of view. It's just, they just literally put it down to an act of God. And so be conscious of the example that we set, because if we had have gone around and we had have been taking pity on ourselves and saying, oh, woe is me, then that would have brought everybody down around us. And so what we made is as a couple and as a family, we made a decision to say, you know what, we're not going to put this under the carpet. Yes, this has happened. We're going to grieve and we're going to do what we need to do in terms of making sure that we remember Courtney and also um, share our, our thoughts with her. And that's why we went to the process of naming her and spending time with her and making sure that our close family actually met her as well. And we, are, we all had photos and, and being conscious of that example. So because of that, uh, we as a tight-knit family, we've been able to talk about her in positive terms over, over the years since and not necessarily put something at the back burner or, or something that's not to be spoken about. So be very, very conscious of the example you set. And probably the biggest one of all was move forward. Now, yes, there's a grieving process. And it probably took uh, us a couple of months, and Shari in particular, because she was the one carrying Courtney. Uh, it was a lot more difficult for her. But uh, at a time, we she needed the support. She needed support from me. She needed support from her family. But she got to the stage where, you know what, it was ready to try again. And... As uh, as luck would have it, we um we managed to get pregnant towards the end of uh, two thousand and two again, and um, as I said, fourth of July two thousand and three, we welcomed the beautiful bubbly Haley Montana, who has just turned eighteen years of age. I cannot believe that she's eighteen years of age. So we learned that you know what, you've got to move forward. It doesn't matter what happens to you; you've still got to find a way to move forward, process it as well as you possibly can, make the choices in terms of how you're going to respond. And it's not what happens to you, it's how you choose to respond to what happens to you that's the most important thing. So uh, on today, the 19th of July, 2021, uh, we are, as a family, reminiscing and celebrating Courtney Rose's 19th birthday and uh, having some precious family time today, uh, remembering her as, uh, as a key member of this family. So it is a message that I felt compelled to share today, given the, uh, given the date, but it's also a key message that I think anybody listening to this can take credence from and take something from in terms of... Whatever's happening for you right now, it's not so much what's happening to you in terms of the event, it's the choices you're making in terms of the response to the event that's going to be the most important thing, and it's the lessons that are tied up within that that's going to be holding you in great stead, not just for handling this particular challenge, but also the challenges that are no doubt 
going to be coming at you in the future. So with that said, have a phenomenal rest of your Monday. Thank you very much for plugging into the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast, and I very much look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode. Until then, all the very best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.